Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. With me tonight, believe it or not, the full panel. Troy Goodfellow, welcome to the show. I am always happy to be back where I belong. And Julian, it's been so long since I've seen you. Uh, Good to have you on the show. It's been like eight hours, and I can't believe this constitutes a full panel, the three of us. It's like old times. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, if if we had if we had Bruce, it'd be it'd be a truly full panel. But I but again, he's an irregular he's an irregular panelist. Uh, so tonight, uh, in honor of Tropico Four, which I've been playing a lot of this week, uh, we're going to be talking about Tropico and City Builders. So you know, to, to get us started here, uh, Troy, I know you've been playing a bit of Tropico Four as well, and yeah. you're more familiar with the full series than I am. So. You know, could you start us off with maybe a little comparison? Like, what's new here? Are new issues fixed? Uh, what, what does Tropical 4 bring to the table? Tropical 4 really is kind of a Tropical 3 Plus. It is very much the same game, and that many of the graphics look the same, only they're a little bit higher res. Um, I think and the interface hasn't changed uh, that much either, except for um, now it, you get faction quests that pop up and you can address those and they can increase or decrease uh, your standing with different groups. It looks like, you know, rebels have been souped up. One of the big problems in the other tropical games was, you know, there was really no need to be a brutal banana republic dictator because the rebels were kind of mealy-mouthed and didn't do much anyway. Now they're actually kind of a threat, uh, which is which is nice to see. So that's a change. That's been souped up some. Uh, different missions, uh, different ways of handling uh, problems. Um, the character generators been changed from the first Tropico. I, I forget in Tropico 3 if you had to choose a flaw, but in Tropico 4 you can choose all beneficial traits for your dictator, which I think is a problem. I think everyone, sh- every dictator should have some crippling mama's issue that keeps them from being an effective ruler. Um, but so you can actually just soup your guy up um, very neatly. It is... Tropico series, I mean, except for Tropico 2, which is pirate setting, is one of my favorite city builder series of all time, and I'm glad to see Hamamot and Calypso not changing a whole lot, but changing just enough to keep the formula fresh, um, to have more interaction with the citizens and have them push back more. I'm really happy to see how well it turned out and to make it, I really think it's a worthwhile, uh, if, even if you have Tropical 3, I think this is a worthwhile investment in checking out Tropical 4. So, so let me be the the closet skeptic here because I, you know, I played a lot of Tropico three, um, but I almost played a lot of Tropico three despite myself. Like I kept finding things I didn't like about the game, but then I had that classic, you know, one more turn thing, even though it's yeah. not turn based. Where I was like, well, but maybe if I tried it this way, and there was, I guess maybe what kept me coming back to Tropico three was there was sort of enough variety that even though I, I inevitably went down paths that whether they were victorious or not, were sort of unsatisfying. I always felt like there was something else I could try over here, right? I had some other mission to accomplish that was different than what I'd had before. So the variety kept me coming back. But but I, I, I can't remember exactly what it was that I disliked about it so much, but maybe, maybe in Tropico 3, by that point, the humor was starting to fall flat. And it sort of started feeling a little bit almost postmodern, like self-aware, like it was almost more a parody of itself than a parody of, you know, Fidel Castro and Che Guevara. It, did, does any of that get better in Tropico 4? Because I've been very much on the fence about whether I want to bother playing it. It's, you know, it's still, the humor still kind of obnoxious. Um, <laughs> uh, it's kind of, they have, uh, every faction has a leader. And the nationalist leader 
this is the Banana Republic, you remember. This is like a 1950s, 1960s Cold War Caribbean state. Right, so same, the exact same setting it's always been. Exact same, except, mm-hmm. for, except, for, except for Tropico 2, that misbegotten pirate game. Uh, we, you have um, every faction is a leader, and bizarrely, the environmental leader is a big-breasted California flower girl. <laughs> which doesn't kind of, so she'll pop up and she'll give you a message, and... It's just a line drawing. There's no animation of, you know, boobs bouncing on the beach or anything. Um, well, damn, you almost had me sold for a minute. I know. The the nationalist leader, I mean, this is, you know, this is an era where they, uh, de- it's you know, decolonization and everyone's trying to, you know, build up their own nation and establish some independence under the thumb and guidance of the superpowers. But the nationalist leader is kind of a British skinhead hooligan. Yeah, piercing, and it's like well, that's so, so. This kind of this. So these are like disconnect. new characters, at least, right? Yeah, they're new. Well, okay, but it's a bit of a disconnect, and that's and it, it's. I've like I haven't played a whole lot of Tropical Four. I've gotten quite a few hours, enough to get a feeling for what it does new and what it does different. And I still like a lot of the game, um, but the humor is. It is a, d- a different type of obnoxious humor. Uh, the radio announcer, because <laughs> uh, in Tropical Three, the radio announcer was jabbering all the time and oh never my shut God. up yeah. with the same jokes over and over and over again. Now I liked the music. I actually liked the announcer for the first, you know, few hours, and but you know, say that's been toned down. Uh, now you'll have other people giving radio programs, like there'll be religious programming, and they'll talk about the state of the church. Uh, in your so it's republic. so it's actually more contextual. It's not just sort of this constant random babbling. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a lot more co- context going on there at least. But yeah, it's, it's still if you found you know uh, very obvious parodies and elbow in the ribs type humor obnoxious, then that's that's still there. I mean that, that well, doesn't bother me all that much. I mean I actually because the the things that the leaders add to the game. Like uh, pushing you in certain quests or pushing you in different directions, uh, letting you know where you stand and saying, "Look, you know, we're kind of getting kind of pissed off at you. You have to deal with this right now." That adds so much that I can deal with the, you know, ridiculous images. Rob, well, th- there's a couple things. One is I think you touched on something very important, which is Tropico ostensibly takes place in the 1950s, 1960s. But the problem is it it doesn't really locate itself there. It's kind of lost between that era and our own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thrown for a loop when I saw the EU is one of the major factions you know you, you have to deal with, uh, in addition to the U.S. And, and USSR and China is a great power. And for this era, you know, China really didn't have an international international presence. Certainly, certainly not in the in the Caribbean, uh, and and the EU. Uh, that you know, that's still that's still very much part of the NATO bloc. So just these these are weird things to see in a game that's that's set in the 1950s. And, and then yes, you, you do have that you do have the problem where a lot of these characters don't really bring a lot of the they don't really support the the theme and the flavor of the game, uh, which is which is a shame I think. Like the uh, the, the intellectuals uh, spokesperson, Miss Pineapple. Uh, God, how how <laughs> utterly embarrassing. Um, no, but you're you're a novice teacher. to this whole series, right? So so some of these like jokes and jabs are totally new to you, and you're still not finding them all that entertaining. Well, not really. I mean, Miss Pineapple, uh, the the intellectual leader, she really got things started on the wrong foot. <laughs> uh, she's the total hot for teacher, uh, you know, hot librarian look with a huge forehead because you know she's brainy. Uh, so so the. <laughs> 
So, like, the, uh, you know, the, the first words out of her mouth are, you promised to build me a teacher last night during our special tutoring session. And it's just, you know, it, it's just a little eye-rolling, and, and that theme's repeated. And, and the problem is, so if those jokes are weak, uh, and they don't work for you, you're out of luck, because you're going to hear them over and over again. <laughs> and, that's, and, and that's kind of the limitation, like, with the radio announcer. There's a lot of cool ideas there, but, I mean, if you're going to go that route, you've almost got to treat it like, you almost got to treat it like an EA sports game. You know, players going to be playing through a lot of different games. You need to have a ton of contextual dialogue uh, to maintain the illusion that, you know, the game is sort of reacting, watching what you're doing. Uh, you know, after a few hours, you, you've heard a lot of what the game has to offer in terms of, uh, you know, little storylines, uh, you know, contextual humor. And, and then it's just going to get it's going to get a little wearisome. Uh, so, so I think that's. You know that, that that's one of it. That's one of its big problems is is a lot of these characters don't really support the illusion that you are in fact El Presidente. Uh, but at at the same time, though, they do import, they do fulfill one really important function, I think, which is they bring your attention to things that you, as you know, as the mayor or pres- president of Tropico, things you really should know. Uh, you know, I actually relied on faction leaders a lot to spot you know problems that were brewing with the communists keep watch on the health care and housing uh, provided provided on the island. So if you're paying attention to your faction relations and you're figuring out what each faction wants, they're really valuable, you know, canaries in the coal mine. And, uh, you know, that, that really helped, that really saved me from having to wade into the ledger a lot yes. just to figure out what's yes. going on. I would just check what the faction wanted, and usually that let me, t- you know, prize apart what's really going on and what I need to fix. And and Tropico has kind of always been one of those games with all of this flavor around it, right? I mean, it's always whether you think think it's funny or not. There's it's just loaded with flavor, right? Because it's got yep. this cool setting, and it's not just plantations; it's banana plantations, right? I mean, it's all it's all sort of funny and tongue in cheek and cruise ships and all that stuff. But ultimately, Tropico Three, at least, I found you could essentially play like a spreadsheet just fine. Right. I mean, in that sense, it shares more with something like Victoria, right, where you're you're essentially managing an information mechanism as much as anything else. No. Or is it or is I mean, or do you guys not think about Tropico that way? I well, for me in this one, I lived and died by location. What about you, Troy? Yeah, I mean, it's location is really important. Getting your city organized better and structured and putting everything in the right place and making sure you have to go too far for anything. I think the Tropico 4 really Ups the actual city construction and city management. So more, more, uh, so less spreadsheet and more Sim City. Well, there's some spreadsheet because you know there's this huge big ass ledger thing. And, I mean, Rob's right. You know the faction leaders come to you with problems and warn you about things you don't have to look in the ledger about. Now it might be too late. You may all of a sudden see a bunch of rebels and criminals running around, and you don't know where they're coming from because the uh, faction leaders are too late telling you what the problem is. Um, but you know they'll, they'll warn you, and but if you don't want to wait, the ledger is so full of information. And this has been one of the good things about the Tropical series. One of the things that I think it really pioneered. It's, well, it didn't pioneer. It really improved on the type of city ledgers you got in, you know, Sim City and uh, the Caesar games, which were generally just numbers. I mean, those are just straight spreadsheets. But by tying it to personalities and people, all of whom have this different level of hierarchy of needs, it's kind of like a very mathematical children of the Nile. Because they are individuals, they do have histories, they do have relationships. Um, 
But, you know, there's all this math underneath, and you can get into the math, or you can just deal strictly by people. And I really love how the ledger has improved. Um, but, yeah, the faction leaders and so many other little cues, visual cues, uh, character, N- NPC movement, uh, weather problems, fires, whatever. It's There are many more visual cues this time around that I think make it... Um, more city management-like and not just plop down a building because everything's going to be fine. You really have to think ahead as to, you know, where's my cathedral going to go because they're going to want a cathedral? Where's my church going to go? How many tenements can I stick in this little spot here? Because that mountain's crowding me out, but that's good tobacco land. There's really a lot, I think, more emphasis on the premium of land on these small islands. And I think this Tropical 4 has raised the bar within the series uh, as a city builder management game. You know that's something I found really satisfying in this game was was the use of the use of land because the neat thing about Tropico is most most of the time you really you really should diversify if you're going to be smart you shouldn't just be you know strip mining your island and you know clear cutting all the forest or you and you shouldn't just be a tourist trap like you should have you know you should have a diverse economy but but doing that requires creating all these little separate enclaves. And at that point, it starts to feel less like a city manager and more like, well, more like you're managing a little island nation, right? Where where you are constructing now little villages, you know, special purpose villages around your island and somehow trying to weave them together into a functional whole. So you've got, you know, you get the tourist area and you get to figure out, you know, where you go, you get the tourist trap, but then where are the workers going to live who are going to service them? You know, you, they can't afford to live on the good beach property. So you've got to, you've got to have them nearby in their shanty towns, but you don't want them to, you know, make, make you know, the, you don't want the tourists to actually see them, God forbid. And you, you have a lot of problems like that. You know, where can you stash your industry so that you can still get visitors to the island, uh, but, without, but without strangling industry? So I found that I found that really a really satisfying experience in trying to transition neighborhoods, you know, from from slums to from from slums to upscale neighborhoods. Uh, you know, it was just it was it was one of those things where, you know, every every twenty minutes or so, I'd sort of have to stop and I'd have to really think about what the next move was going to be. You know, how was I going to construct, you know, a, a you know from the ground up a, a brand new industry without disturbing any of my other, my other interests. Uh, it wasn't, and, and that's what I think. What, what makes it, what saves it from being a spreadsheet game, certainly, is this isn't something where you can just slap things down willy nilly. You really have to sort of think about like, I, I kind of sort of examine the game from the ground level, right? Like, what are people's experiences going to be in this neighborhood? You know, what you know, what are their opportunities going to be? What are you know, what what's the route of travel going to be? Uh, I I was thinking much more in those terms. Then I was going back to the ledger and saying, you know, how much sugar am I producing? How much am I exporting? That's not how I was thinking of the game, and that's really what I want when I'm, you know, you know, creating my own city. I mean, this is a game that really, I mean, and it reminds me a lot of of of, of the Caesar games in some ways. Uh, especially, I'm thinking of Caesar Four with uh, or Caesar Three with a walker traffic, that annoying, annoying mechanic of walker traffic. Oh my god! I hated it, oh hated my it, hated god! It. They got rid of that in Caesar Four. Um, but in, in Caesar 4, I think, has some of this whole neighborhood stuff you get in Tropico 4 because you have to put you know things near where the resources are because they have to bring the resources and then refine them and then take them to market and all of that. So this, Caesar 4 had some of that. But really, Tropico 4 is about transportation. Like all good city builders, it is about getting people where they need to get to, um, the things they need to see. You have to have the clinics spread out properly. You need to have a police station in the right place. Garages are your most important buildings. 
<laughs> because it makes they, sense. No, because makes they sense. need a place to park their, you know, vintage Cadillacs. Uh, drive through the streets of Havana. If you build a bauxite mine out in the middle of nowhere, you got to put a garage there uh, so people can park their cars. Otherwise, they're going to be walking out there. Um, and also a place for the, the, the Teamsters to put their stuff because you're going to be building eventually a whole mini village around that little mine there uh, so the workers don't have to go as far uh, to work. And their commute doesn't have to be as bad. And this transportation thing has always been a good big part of Tropical. Well, actually, Tropical 3 and 4 really... Tropical 3 really kicked it up a notch, and Tropical 4 stays in that path. And I think you're right, Rob. There really is this idea of what is this part of my island going to be for? I mean, it's easy to say, okay, the beach, that's going to be for the tourists, because that's you know, pretty much a, a no-brainer. But then you have to think, okay, I need room for restaurants there, and a hotel, and entertainment. And that ends up crowding you back and back further, and you end up getting these, like you have in, in, in Cuba. You have you know, kind of segregated resort areas that are far away from anything else. So they don't all the problems of you know crime and communists and rebels aren't spilling over into the well. You're, you're creating you're creating an oceanfront illusion. Yes, and that's and, and a lot of the game is about sustaining that illusion while having all the sort stuff sort of stashed backstage, which is really enjoyable. It, it it does have that's one of the places where the flavor really comes through. You know, you pan the camera over these you know shining beaches, and then you scroll over the hill into the mainland, the main part of the island. And the first thing it greets you is, you know, smoke rising from the power plants and, you know, the distilleries. But, you know, one, one, thing, I wanted to, one thing I wanted to ask you is, uh, so far I haven't felt, you know, I, I tend to use uh, Pinochet a lot as, uh, you know, as, as my avatar because, you know, uh, you know as an American, be, be proud of your creations. Um, <laughs> but, Made in America. <laughs> Nicely put. Yeah. Nicely put. <laughs> But here's the thing, though. I, you know, it's one of those things where generally the the answer is always, uh, you know, well, be a good president, be be a good yep. ruler, and it's the one thing that I that I was sort of hoping this game would would provide me that it hasn't quite given me enough reason to do yet. It hasn't given me enough reason to play the heavy, uh, which was something I was really hoping I might get. Like to. put the screws down and like crush the rebels. That has yeah. always been a problem with the Tropico series, though. This is not. But you said they made the rebels forward. stronger now. Well, they did. I mean, you have to you have to put them down. There are more rebels, but you know they're the rebels. You can have an army to put down rebels, um, but you know you don't have to you don't have to rig elections as much as you think you might have to as a president. You're not going around arresting opposition leaders. You know the union movement isn't striking out and trying to kick the capitalists out. You don't have this sense. I mean, where you I mean, there are rebels who people who don't like you. They get upset and they farm small little armies. They attack the police station. Great, and I know you can get overthrown, and the army, if you really screw up, the army can even overthrow you in a coup. Um, I haven't gotten that bad yet. It came pretty close, uh, but then I sucked up to the army somehow. I forget why, how exactly I did it, but I did. Uh, but generally, you, know, you don't have to rig elections, and this is really one of the odd things, because it sells itself as a you know, Caribbean dictator sim, but really it's a Caribbean demagogue sim, uh, because you go and give all these great speeches before the election and you end up beating your opponent by 200 votes and there are only 250 people voting. Uh, so you, there really isn't this sense that you are you know, manipulating things, that you're hanging on to your force of personality and power. No, you're just doing it because you're a really good speaker and you can give all these promises and there's even a trait you can choose where you can make promises during an election and you don't have to keep them because people are used to you lying anyway. 
which is kind of a cheat if you ask me, but uh, there's this really weird sense that you're not really a dictator, you're not really a tyrant, you're not really a strong man. No, you're, you're trying to you're trying to try to make everything okay. Yeah, you're kind of like a friendly avuncular uncle in uniform. <laughs> you know, you just no, oh, I'm sorry, I'll build you a hospital after this election. But you know, there's really rarely. Um, in any of the tropical games, I felt that I was under threat of losing an election. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't rig a single, a single election. I did, I did, however, get overrun by communists once. How did that happen? Uh, well, it was, my, it was my first time into a mission where I had to build a tourist industry, and I just, I, I made some bad choices early on. It was, you know, it's one of those things where you get in a downward spiral, and you need money to dig out of it, and I just didn't have money. The, what 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 ended up happening is uh, the dock workers went on strike because uh, they were the worst paid people on the island, and I could have paid a little cash to make the entire thing go away, uh, but I didn't even have that little amount of cash, yeah. so I sent in the army, and, and you know it was kind of cool. I you know you zoom in on the protesters, you know waving their signs, marching around in front of the docks, and uh, in the background, walking up the sidewalk, you can see a soldier. Uh, you know, moving toward the protesters. He walks up, levels his rifle, guns down one of the protesters. You know, everyone scatters. You know, docks reopen, you know, almost instantly. Uh, you know, which was great. And then the communist leaders, you know, sends me a message. He's like, well, I can't even, I can't even speak. With, you're, I'm, we're, all, we're unspeakably angry with you. And, uh, you know, international communists are coming to bring revolution to the island. Uh, and to make us happy, and they're not going to go away. So the revolutions are going to intensify. So at that point, I had a I had an army that was fine for throwing off like little podunk, uh, you know, rebel assaults. Uh, but but the the problem is that I was starting to get hammered with you know a dozen rebels at a time, basically. And it was kind of cool that you know they come racing through the through the slums with their little red banners and uh, you know attack the police station, gun down soldiers. And basically, my I just ran out of the army and I didn't have enough money to sort of crash build another one. So it just, you know, I just I just got absolutely overrun. Uh, you know, the streets were the streets were filled now with communists. Uh, you know, just sort of shutting down locations, and I just you know I bailed on the game. I, you know, yeah, I, in but, retrospect, but, I wish. But, I'd... but that's kind of cool, right? Oh no, that I loved. Yeah, it, it was something I it was something I wish I'd seen more though, right? Yeah. And and that's the thing. Like it, this is the sort of thing that only happens if you're a bad dictator. And what I kind of want, you know, what I want from the tropical games, and this is such a hard thing for for strategy games to bring out is strategy games have a hard time showing why people would make choices that aren't the optimal choices. You know, if you just do the right thing all the time in a strategy game, chances are, you know, you're going to be rewarded. But what's what's tough about situating the player as a dictator is, you know, there's the right thing for the country, and then there's the right thing for you and your your hold on power. And there's, a, there's you know, those two things don't don't perfectly align. A lot of times they don't align at all. But trop- in Tropico, they really do. And that's and that's where a lot of my disappointment and frustration comes. I, you know, I enjoy it as a city builder, uh, but that's why I end up feeling more like you know a super powerful mayor rather than someone who's sort of like holding a country together through brute force or through you know just pure charisma. Uh, you know, if I can if I can always mollify all the little factions by just doing the right thing, uh, well, yeah, then I'm just then I'm just a benign dictator. Uh, but but kind of what I want is to be a tin pot dictator, you know, and and see what that see what that experience is like. Yeah, I mean, it's odd that really the only sort of, I guess, you suboptimal decision it encourages, because it affects your score, is scrolling away money in a Swiss bank account. I mean, that's their representation of what c- corruption is. You, know, you get a little bit of a, you get a kickback from land grants, 
or capitalists show up and stick money in your pocket or whatever, and that's their idea of what corruption is. That's the game's idea of what what being a greedy little dictator is. There's not this sense of, you know, what about uh, nepotism? What about protecting all these old guard revolutionaries who helped you get power? What about your crazy sons? You know, there's none of this... Uh, well, stuff you would get in like Libya or Iraq, uh, where you know you have to maybe you want your son to succeed you, and people don't like that, or what have you. There really isn't. You are just this Fidel Castro as Santa, uh, more than you are someone who actually has Fidel, to f- a Fidel Santa would be a great band name for something. Yes. <laughs> Which, I mean, I don't want to say that this is a bad game. I don't, we're pretty, sounding pretty down on it. I really do love the Tropico series, even though it doesn't, it never really gives me the feeling I want to feel as a Caribbean leader. There is something about the charm, and there's something about the color. It is a very colorful, beautiful game. Um, I think that we kind of, there's this, it compares strategy games to, 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 to shooters, you, know, I mean, you did this thing on your blog, uh, Rob, about uh, Deus Ex, the whole blue and tan thing. And yeah. shooters are either brown, gray, or orange. And that's pretty much it. And it's always dark and oppressive or something. Um, you never get this really vibrant color. And the world is full of vibrant color. And for some reason, a lot of shooters insist on making it black and brown, uh, which is bizarre. So... We have, but strategy games, I think, are one of the refuges of, you know, the kind of colors you see in Facebook games. You talked, uh, well, last week with Empire, Age of Empires Online and the cartoony, uh, graphics in the houses. And, uh, Soren made the comparison to Zeus, which I think was an excellent, excellent comparison. That's what I was thinking as you were describing the cities, the houses. And I said, oh, well, that's just like Zeus. And then Soren said it because I'm as brilliant as he is. So we have, Tropico, and you look at Settlers 2, I'm oh, sorry, Settlers 7, and uh, I think of, you know, old games like Imperialism, strategy, and even Civilization, 4 especially, strategy games really are at their best when they embrace color, and they embrace warmth, and the power that color has to translate ideas and translate feelings. Um, even if it is a boring and violent world, uh, that you're working in and you're a dictator, that doesn't mean you can't have a sunny, brilliant beach umbrella uh, for your tourists when they show up. And I really love the way this game uses color. I, yeah, I mean, I think, that's, I think that's totally fair. And if I think about other games in the genre, uh, and, and really, I mean, it's hard to figure out exactly what genre to compare this to, right? I mean, it's part SimCity, it's part you know, stronghold, it's part, I mean, in some sense, it's it's a government simulator. So you could compare it to any number of sort of very serious government simulators out there, you know, but, but, but many of those games, even certainly a game like stronghold, which should have such great color really fails at that and becomes yeah. very, very thin. You know, when I, when I think of a lot of strategy games, I, th- I think a lot of strategy games are either very colorful or they are very gray. They're, you know, it can be it can be the gray well, of in a lot of cities. If, 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 if it's World War Two, it's going to be gray. <laughs> yeah, but there, there's there's field gray, and then there and, and then there's the. Then there's <laughs> what are we painting gray. them now? Are we painting the tanks? No, I'm just saying. The, 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 there's the gray of like you know World War Two and you know cloudy cloudy European skies and all that. But then it, but then if you like there's there's also newsprint gray. Uh, you know of, of too many spreadsheets, too yeah. many. 
you know, just too many, too many spreadsheets, uh, too many. So as we were just talking, uh, Soren Johnson pinged me in a chat window, and he just couldn't resist a good conversation about city builders and, well, apparently color. Uh, so Soren, welcome to the show. Hey guys, happy to join you in, in somewhere in the middle of the conversation. Hey, good to have you back. We'll get you caught up. Tropico 4, kind of Tropico. Okay. <laughs> well, right. That's yeah, a good thing. Well, that that is bad. a good thing. We've been we've been we've been talking about you know Tropico Four. I think I think Troy and I. It's fair to say we both we both really enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, we we've as flawed as it is. I mean, Tropico is one of these series where it its problems are always in your face, but you can't stop smiling. Right. And and Troy just brought up the fact that that Tropico Four is a is a vibrant game. That that is indeed one of the first things that struck me too. It's this it's this rich, verdant world. And certainly, strategy in general is not is not a a genre that I associate like uh, great colorful visuals you know I don't associate great colorful visuals with strategy but Troy just sort of set me straight on that uh, that, that really it's, it, you know in, in the modern gaming landscape strategy actually has a, a lot of room for, for artistic creativity uh, so you know the, the one thing I was saying is what caught me off guard about Tropico 4 is it, you know all this color um, and, and some of the lovely detail work I, I, I love zooming in on the on the ground level of my cities and seeing just some of the, uh, you know, really great details that the artists put on some of these building models. Um, you know, schools with sol- a solidarity mural uh, on one of the walls, or you know, ac- legitimately funny uh, movie posters on the on the walls of the Cineplex. Uh, but but when I think of most city builders, I, I tend to think of gray pavement and then zoning grids. That's you know that's that's how that's <laughs> yeah. how I think that's how that's I think Sim a lot City, of them. right? Yeah. Uh, so so Tropico has been Tropico has been a pleasant surprise, pleasant surprise as far as that goes, and it doesn't force me. You know, it's one of those games that it also it has nice graphics. It doesn't force me to ignore those graphics in favor of a ledger. So do, do you, have you played the Tropico games, Soren? Uh, no, I mean I, I think I touched the original just a little bit. Um, I mean I think it's a great theme, so I'm not I'm not surprised there's been a lot of fun there. I mean, I think that the the interesting question to me is where this genre goes, right? I mean, because Tropico sort of took the, you know, it, it melded a couple things together, right? It melded together the the classic city, SimCity type game, you know, the Maxis franchise. And then it bolted in sort of some of the political and governmental simulator stuff we'd seen in sort of, quote unquote, more serious games. And then it, it added this whole level of humor and this heavy theme to it all in, in a similar way to me that I think of something like Alpha Centauri sort of taking what had become a pretty standard, I mean, standard's the wrong word because Alpha Centauri broke a lot of ground in a lot of ways, but, but it bolted on this theme with so much flavor that it, it made you rethink the underlying mechanics in an interesting way. So I look at something like Tropico 4, Tropico 3, and, and this genre of this sort of extended city builder, and I sort of wonder where it can go. And I can't help but look, and it's probably not a fair comparison, at, at the next Stronghold, which is coming out in a couple weeks. Right? And Stronghold is a game which I know a lot of people hated Stronghold 2, didn't get well reviewed. I actually really kind of dug it, but honestly, the theme was very thin in that game, right? I mean, you could, it could just as easily have been, you know, post-apocalyptic catapults. It really, it, 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 it didn't carry the theme that a lot of sort of medieval games carry with them. Um, and, and I sort of wonder whether or not Stronghold 3 or something else will be able to extend this, this sort of management and, and sort of governmental simulator 
further? I mean, is there anything on the horizon anybody's looking forward to here? Well, I mean, Stronghold Three was definitely on on the list of games that that I do have my eye on. I think it looks it looks pretty good. The early the early buzz on it is actually very good. There've been some positive previews over at uh, Rock Paper Shotgun, but it's it's one of those things where I'm interested in it because of the theme, and I'm disappointed to hear that the previous Stronghold games perhaps haven't brought that theme out as well as they could because. You know, if I wanted to play a city builder, I think those needs were met many years ago, and they've been many they've been met many times since. But what something like Tropico offers, or in particular, what attracts me to a game like Stronghold, is I don't want to manage a city, but oh, give me a castle or give me my island dictatorship. Uh, and it's it's disappointing when a game just sort of has has a graphical skin over you know over fairly over fairly convention over con- fairly conventional gameplay that doesn't really do anything special with the theme. Yeah, and, and I think that you know part of what part of what Stronghold Two, uh, you know, kind of didn't do so well was that it wasn't it wasn't something like black and white, right? It didn't take this sort of this idea of controlling an environment, this 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 sort of you know godlike power, and do anything particularly interesting with it. It just put it in a new setting. And, and and that's that's sort of my question is where can we where can this ex, where can this expand like what would be what what do we see on the horizon that would actually make us interested in this I mean I look at I look at the kind of genre expansion we're seeing elsewhere I mean I look at RPGs or I look at first person shooters and it's very incremental and part of what's not interesting to me about Tropico Four is that. I didn't feel the need to play a whole lot more Tropico Three, where an incremental expansion of that was was going to be enough. The, the, I mean, the city builder. I mean, it was there used to be you know a couple of city builders a year, but now uh, they're kind of few and far between. Um, they're one of these genres that has either been perfected or a genre where the conventions are just so firmly in place that it's hard to imagine what the next step is. I mean, look at something like Cities XL which was supposed to be you know, the next big jump forward uh, in city builders with this massively persistent online cities and you'll be trading resources with each other. And it never really worked all that well. Um, people like having their own cities and being able to do what they want in their cities. They want to have these little autarkic communities because they're the mayor slash dictator slash king for life well so is the answer then you you take the you know take you take tropico 4 which is tons of flavor tons of color but but fairly simplistic mechanics underneath it and you flip it on its head and and i'm gonna like make enemies now but you flip that on its head and you say remove all the color and make it nothing but complexity and interesting decisions and you have dwarf fortress yeah dwarf fortress i think is you know probably one of the most important city builders of the last 10 years, um, but to actually, it has lessons that really can't be learned beyond a certain budget, I think. I, I don't <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's too it's, expensive to implement if you don't use ASCII? Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I wonder. I mean, Dwarf Fortress is one of these really weird little games, right? Where, you know, things happen and people tell these great stories about what they happen. Now, did that actually happen in the game? Or because they're ASCII characters moving around, following their own little <laughs> stuff, we actually just think that's what happened. Well, it's in the like game. the anti-color, right? You're talking about Rob. You were talking about your shades of gray. Yeah, Dwarf yeah. Fortress is, you know, it's but it's it's a vibrant gray. It's a shiny gray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> what? You know, I, I wonder if the problem is that um, 
it seems to me that back in the 90s, city builders were already pushing kind of the limits of how much complexity you could cram into uh, into games. And I wonder if the problem is it's not clear it's not clear how to expand that with where the stuff you would add would just be more stuff going on underneath the surface, right? Yeah, I, I kind of feel what you know. The weird thing about a city builder is you know we've we've talked about god games and we've talked about empire builders. But I have actually never felt more powerful than when I'm playing a city builder. I have, ne- you know, city builder is the genre where I have this ability to conjure, you know, streets, buildings, uh, you know, entire communities from nothing, and just you know lay it across the landscape and and watch it grow. Um, and and what's lacking there is a real sense that there there's something opposing my will. Uh, you can create, you can you you can sort of create something where it's like. You know what was the the, the Sim City thing, right? Where well, if you don't do a good enough job, uh, you know the angry commuters led by your mother, you know will attack City <laughs> Hall. It's this cutesy, like yeah, well you screwed up badly enough, kid, and now you're done. Uh, but but that's not really you know that's just kind of a you know I I, I failed. It, it it rarely feels like there's something pushing back against my uh, against my ability to do whatever I damn well please, and I'm not sure what's what's missing is so much complexity. Uh, it, I, I should I should be careful of conflating complexity and detail here. What's missing isn't more detail. Well, but, but go on. One of the issues um, I'm just sort of thinking out loud here because the last last few days I've been playing something that's not exactly a city builder, but um, I've been playing actually uh, one of the old Patrician games, uh, Patrician Three, and I've I've I never really tried these these games before, and I really I really enjoyed it, but I find it interesting because it's. There is a city city simulation going on, and there is you know even a little sort of larger area trading network going on. But you're playing a very specific role within that, right? And so you have some power, but not total power. And I find that a little more engaging. First of all, I don't feel this complete responsibility for my little area. Um, but beyond that, you know, it feels it feels much more like an actual game to me. Whereas city builders often kind of like sit in that uncomfortable spot between, you know, is it a toy, is it a game, you know, what is this exactly? Yeah, I never found that an uncomfortable spot myself. I mean, city builders are kind of, they're, they're really god games. They're a chance mm-hmm. for you to experiment and to try new things and try to, they're, they're, they're system builders as well as games with systems, because you're trying to make a city that works. You're trying to make it efficient, you're trying to get everything balancing. It's kind of like juggling. That's what makes a great city builder, I think, is, having the difficulty ramp up bit by bit, adding new levels of complexity as you move along, and, you know, defeating the system, um, understanding it and mastering it. And I think that's what makes a really good city builder. So I never really had this, you know, sense that, well, this is just too complex, there's all this other stuff going on, and, God, this is dull, and he thinks to push back, and I need to not be in control. Because that's not what city builders are really about. I mean, Patrician is, you know, it's part city builder, but it's really... It, it 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 it's a big trading game. It's about working your way to the top of the Hansa League or whatever. I mean, it's right. really not about you know building a city and being king. It's becoming king. It's not about making decisions and building a city. It's about becoming master of the city. You're working your way up to different levels of power. So the patrician games they certainly have some city building elements. I mean, that's especially in the most recent versions where you have to you know actually build up your industry to keep your business moving. Um, so there's certainly increasing elements of that. But I mean, I don't think people really play city builders to, you know, 
always have things pushed back against them, but for some reason we do when it is a game set in a certain historical period. I mean, Julian wants a medieval, he wants Stronghold to feel medieval, which right. I'm assuming he, want, he doesn't, he wants it to have, you know, medieval problems and the challenges of running a castle. And yeah, I mean, and maybe, and maybe, that comes, and, maybe that comes a little bit from being just, you know, a ridiculous dwarf fortress nut. And to some extent, even something like Minecraft, which makes you revel in the mundane, right? Like making sure you have all the crap you need to brew beer is a big deal, right? I mean, so so stuff like that, um, if you're if you're setting it in the medieval, right, making sure that you've got proper sanitation and you know how to brew beer are important things. And that's part of what's attractive about something like Tropico, where making sure you know how to bribe the Americans is a, a, a big deal. Right. And knowing, and knowing when. I mean, right. it's, it's really the important thing. And I think that's why City Builder is such a broad genre. I mean, you have this idea that it's just one thing, but I think we play different types of City Builders for different reasons. And I think that period City Builders, I mean, we were talking about how you know, Tropico doesn't have, that really doesn't feel like a set in the Cold War. We have all this other weird uh, anachronistic stuff going on. Uh, uh, Miss Pineapple. But we have... <laughs> But you know we because but but we want that because the game because the game is just telling us this is what I'm about and then when it's not about that we get annoyed. Uh, a game like Sim City really doesn't tell us really doesn't start just to be anything but okay this is today and you can build a subway and have fun. Well, so but Sim City is an interesting game because it really is talking, talking about that. Well, talking about that interesting space, but that that awkward space yeah. between is it a game or is it a toy. SimCity was one of those games. It was absolutely a toy for me, and I never, I, I lost interest in it. Like I played, I played SimCity. I played a little bit of SimCity 2000, and I never went back. Like, if the city builder is just that sort of sandbox where it's like, ooh, look, look at what I've constructed, and watch it manage itself. I really don't. There, there's nothing there for me to really sink my teeth into. There, there's, there's no real like hurdle for me to overcome. It. If I overcome any, it will be totally self-invented. Uh, you know, and, and there's space for that. But what, but what I really want is, again, those rare moments that sort of arise in Tropico. You know, when I botch the job, and I have to, I have to do, I can't, I can't do the good option. I have to choose between a couple crappy options and make the best of those. And what, what's lacking in a lot of city builders is an engine for generating those suboptimal choices. Yeah, I mean, really, you only get, you only end up making suboptimal choices when you run out of money. You're a bad fiscal manager. That's when you end up making you know the suboptimal choices when you have to build a coal plant instead of a nuclear plant because you can't afford it. It seems like a, it seems like I've been a lot of, a lot of city builders where, when it does just come down to money, there's kind of this this weird problem in that it essentially just it just affects essentially the pace of the game, right? I mean, if you're losing enough money that you're going to go bankrupt, that's a problem. But once you're making enough, then it's just a question of well, okay, now you have to wait two minutes instead of four minutes to do this or that. Um, and uh, to me, that's all. It seems like a, like a, a bit of a problem when it's when it just comes down to money. And, and that's definitely a boat I've ended up in Tropico a few times, where I've you know where I've been doing great. Uh, I've probably made some rather serious mistakes, but I'm just enough in the black where if I just sort of crank the game speed up and sit back, uh, <laughs> you know, I will get I will get enough money. Slow, you know, from my from my infinitesimally small profits, I'll get I'll get enough money to sort of dig my way out of the trap I built for That's, myself. And at the same time, uh, sometimes I've seen games, however, put a time limit on it, which I you know sort of like intellectually solves the problem, but I find just incredibly stressful. <laughs> like, just do not want to play at all. 
Well, wait, does that mean then you just kind of hate city builders? Because I'm thinking, well, I mean, because a lot no, of times I, I, I kind of wish the, I was under the gun. Yeah, no, I think, um, I'm trying to remember exactly how, how this works, but there are plenty of city builders I really enjoyed. I really loved the Pharaoh, uh, sort of the Pharaoh games. Um, I thought those were great. And those were generally more, uh, those were a series of scenarios, right, where you had some sort of specific goal to hit. If I remember correctly, yeah, I mean there were as a mission campaign, just like you know Tropico has, move from map to map to map with increasing right, right. levels of challenge. Yeah, and uh, I assume that had a timer, so I don't I don't remember exactly how they got around that issue, but um, I just in general I feel like that's it's, that's not like a perfect solution to that problem. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I kind of it's an imperfect solution, but I think you know if you're talking about a lot of strategy games are at their most fun when things have go, are going a little bit wrong. You know, not not that you're doomed. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. not really fun to be cornered. But when you know when I think of a game like EU you know, EU three, I, I like those games the most when things are not going according to plan. And yet there's reason for me to keep playing and see if there's a way I can do, you know, see if there's a way I can escape from escape from the trap. And when the answer is really obvious, you know, as it often is in City Builders, well just wait until you get, you know, forty thousand you know, space bucks, whatever, and build yourself the I win button, uh, you know, the, the, you know, then the mission's over. And, and what I really want is, I, I, I kind of like seeing the way, you know, bring these other systems into play, like, you know, Tropico has dissatisfied elements within the community. If you, if you can get those mobilized against you, now you've got a real challenge. Uh, but but you can, it's very easy in most city builders to sort of sustain at, sustain at a certain level, and not really see the systems going go into action. It's tough because you know you, you the format. We we know what city builders are, and there's certain expectations players have. And really, you know, the idea that they are about making money and taxation is really kind of weird. I'm not sure how that exactly happened. That the idea that it's the purpose of government to make money and to turn a surplus, and that's and what to, governments are. And to are. run run industry and rent housing. Yeah, and that's what you do. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, that's a little cheat we always have in games, and because they're 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 god games as much as they are really uh, city management sims. I mean, more or less, they really are about you know how much can you do and how powerful are you and how fast can you do it. But there's, it's just bizarre. The idea of the city serves no other purpose but to become richer. That to become so this, big, 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 powerful, strong, right? Right, and the city is a the, the, it's a, it almost in that respect it is a business sim, only instead of railroad tycoon where you pick up you know the logs and turn them into lumber and then take the lumber wherever and make a make a profit, it's you build the businesses and you build a lot of big houses and they improve and you turn a profit and you become really rich. Now in Tropico, there's a reason to do that because then your score goes higher because you're putting more money in your Swiss bank account. Great, cool, wonderful. But it's this really weird idea of what a city is, and it's it's a also a really weird idea of success in general, right? Yeah, well, I it's, mean... but it's this little cheat that we have in games, and it's kind of locked in. That's what we expect city builders to be like, because we need a score, we need a way to have the city be good. You know, the Caesar games they had uh, all the different levels of civilization: your peace level, your culture level, and your economy level, and all of these things, and that set your mission score. That's what you were shooting for. But really, your best way to know if you were doing that right was how rich were you. Um, if you're constantly losing money, then you weren't going to be making your other stuff. I mean, you will not be able to afford the theaters you need. So it's 
this weird idea that that is the only way to measure a city's success. Um, it's kind of bizarre. Um, I mean, I could I could write a series of essays on the hidden conservative message in SimCity, but that's already been done before. I mean, SimCity is a very conservative game um, in the way it approaches economic policy and the like. But there's so, which is which is interesting because Will Wright is not a particularly conservative guy. Yeah, um, I know, but that's. But it, it's I think just, I think game design. It's interesting. I think game design because it's somewhat system. You know, it's kind of forces you to turn things into systems. Yeah. Sometimes, and I've felt this myself. Sometimes makes people design games that they don't necessarily agree with the the sort of the politics it puts forward. Yep. But but often like the systems sort of trap you. It's it's kind of a weird thing. Well, you know, game games promote pragmatism. But then your kind of a question is what in the system what's pragmatic, and the challenge you know the answer could be quite different from what you would rather that the answer to that be in uh, in, in real life. I remember uh, over at the American Prospect, I think it was uh, Annie Potts actually wrote a piece. She's you know she's a total you know she she's yeah, a hardcore I know what progressive. You're about. Yeah, yeah, she she's a hardcore progressive. Uh, so she <laughs> starts playing what was it? She played The Sims. And, uh, you know, playing The Sims, she discovers that in, in the world of The Sims, all her choices make her the most conservative, uh, you, you know, the, the most conservative, money-oriented, uh, right. you know, almost Randian, uh, yeah. Randian extremist. Of course, because the, the system's skewed that way, right? There's no, there's no score for being a humanitarian. But, yeah, I mean, so I, I, I think that's, that's definitely a thread that run, runs through games is that, and, and this is sort of what, what trips up Tropico, I think, is that you know you, you make you make whatever the optimal choice is in 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 that system, and, and then you, you two things happen: you get you you get a, la- a certain lack of variety, but but also you maybe don't get to explore the avenues. It it become it doesn't become the game you might hope it would be, because you you are doing the right thing by this system, and then it never quite. You never quite explore the other things that could happen within it. So, so going back to what you were saying, Julian, though, you know, what is the next step? Uh, I, I think Dwarf Fortress is an interesting example here because what what defines Dwarf Fortress is, is that you you have you have so comparatively little power in Dwarf Fortress that there's all these little agendas and systems operating within Dwarf Fortress on this really intimate scale. And I'm thinking, you know, when, when something like that happens with a game like, say, Victoria 2, uh, where, where things, the wrap the on that game is, is it kind of plays itself. It has all these things going on beneath the surface, all these details, uh, you know, self-interested groups. The national and international scale might be too big for that. But but I wonder, you know, would, 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 a, would a Victoria 2 style game be a little more interesting, a Victoria 2 style or a... Or a uh, dwarf fortress uh, type game be more interesting at that at that more intimate city level uh, is 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 that one of the ways we we is that one of the directions the genre should go like what managing a neighborhood i mean I, you can't get much more intimate than dwarf fortress right i mean you're actually building chairs right so it's not a matter of scope it's a matter of complexity right and 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 I think that there's there's a problem in mixing the two together, right? You can make an incredibly complex game, you know, at the microcellular level, or you can make an incredibly, you know, broad stroke game you can play in twenty minutes that's at the global level, right? So, well, is 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 Dwarf Fortress really? Is it a smaller version of a city builder, or is it a larger version of The Sims? 
<laughs> I, I think it's very fair. I think it's actually That's a larger, a it's a larger version of the Sims, right? Because, because in, in Sim city, right. In, in the classic city builder, the individual actions of your Sims are irrelevant. You only care about them as masses, right? You don't care about whether one guy learns how to, you know, build a building. You care about whether or not you have enough people who know how to build buildings. It's a bad example because I don't think that actually matters. But um, in Dwarf Fortress, you actually want to make sure you have enough sword dwarves to defend your front door. So you actually care about it much more at the Sims level, right, where you're actually managing, if anything, a tribe. I mean, that's really what Dwarf Fortress is. It's a tribe simulator. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm not sure what you're getting at, Rob, regarding the scale and intimacy, if you think that's why people play or why Dwarf Fortress works. I think Dwarf Fortress works because it's about dwarves. And I think really... It comes I think down, that has almost nothing to do with it. I think it has a lot to do. I mean, I think I think that, it, that that's what brings people in, and it's about it's a fantasy, minds of Moria type thing, um, and it's a great game, and it helps that it's a brilliant game. It helps that it's brilliantly designed, that it helps people build all these wonderful narratives. But if it wasn't about dwarves, people would not be playing it. It has this fantasy setting; anything can happen. You have combat, you have monsters in a fantasy world. If that was about, because that always moves games. No, not, that doesn't always move games, but I, th- but I think it, it's part of what makes this one work. That if it was a game about the Sioux bringing in buffalo on the plains, I can't imagine it being uh, having nearly the same success. Well, it, it is, it's true that's what brings people in, but I think the reason it's got this cult following is you know yeah. the sort of things that can happen without yeah. your direct input in right. that game. And I think what we, what kind of frustrates us about, well, what kind of frustrates me about City Builders is that lack of. I feel I feel too godly, you know. It's it's right. it's, it's 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 more a god game than a god game. Right. Uh, you you know you you run everything in yeah. in the average city builder, and it you know you really shouldn't be. It, you know if you if you're talking about you know what does the city do, uh, right. you know it, the mayor isn't well in most cities unless it's you know Chicago at various points in the history the mayor isn't god. <laughs> yeah, but that would be a whole different sim, and quite a good, quite a good one, probably. I, th- my, I think you're right, right, Rob. I mean, we've talked about this uh, before. I'm sure on the podcast about the importance of letting the player first have a lot of choices. Choices are good, options are good. Being able to do something is good, but also making sure the player can't do some things. That some systems are just a little bit beyond their control. Something for them to fight, a system right. to fight against, a mechanic to fight against not necessarily struggle uh, endlessly and so the lose, not the game is against them, but something that is environmental, something that is a bit larger than them, that do they can guide do, and they can direct, but they can't necessarily control. Uh, do some of you guys have the problem, I think this might be where I, I see you're going, that with a certain city builder, like once you've played a little bit, you find that when you go back to it, you always simply end up playing it the same way. Yeah. Well, this is big with the impressions, uh, city builders, because they're especially up to like Caesar three and even Zeus uh, to some point that they were in fact math problems. <laughs> More than it was actually building a theater to build an organic city, there was a way to win each scenario, and it became: Is your mine just far enough away, or is it too close? If it's too close, you'll lose those precious seconds, and the timer will run out, and the Gauls will show up and burn your city down. So it became this very peculiar math problem where you had to maximize the distances between your houses so that they could develop faster and do bigger and better houses so you had enough money to fight off the goals. So it became this really weird math problem and not really a city builder. And that's really when the Impressions games started to lose something for me, when they became puzzle games. 
when the scenarios weren't about, okay, how can I solve this problem? But there is one way to solve this problem. Can you figure it out? And I think that's a problem with a lot of city builders, uh, especially the scenario-based ones. And I'm glad Tropico doesn't fall into that trap because uh, it is scenario-based, but there's always seems to be other options. And I think it helps because you have the faction leaders pushing back and offering new suggestions. Okay, so it's getting pretty late, and we should we should wind the show down. But you know, in in a moment, I want to ask you guys, uh, you know, what what's the what's the one thing you would like to see added added to added to the city builder genre? Uh, that, it, that it currently doesn't have. Uh, but in the meantime, thanks so much to you all for uh, for joining us tonight. Uh, thanks, Soren, for dropping in in the middle. Uh, you are an excellent intern. Uh, we, you, if you if you keep it up, we might extend your contract and offer you a real position. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm crossing my fingers. We pay big bucks. And as always, thanks you thanks to you for listening. Uh, thanks to Michael Hermes for production and for squeezing this in in the middle of what I know is an incredibly busy week. Uh, so thanks, Michael, uh, for producing the show in the middle of re- your return to school. Can I uh, uh, have a little announcement? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> just want to remind people that I'm having another uh, Toronto meetup. I like meeting people in the city, uh, finding local strategy gamers and the like. Location to be determined, uh, but I've decided it's going to be the 24th of September. Um, if, if you're in Toronto or South Ontario or the Great Lakes area, and you can come up, uh, it'd be nice if we can get together, and if I hadn't have enough space to find a good location, maybe we'll get some board games in. Uh, we'll see what happens. So the 24th, location to be determined, watch the blog. Flashofsteel.com, which used, this used to be the official podcast of. <laughs> and as always, if you enjoyed the episode, uh, please retweet it and uh, review and rate us on iTunes. That's always very helpful for uh, letting us know what we should do and for getting the show to new listeners. Uh, now, so everyone here seems a little everyone here seems a little discontent with city builders, and everyone also seems to have sort of a, a moderate amount of affection for them. Uh, where do they let you down, and what could what could city builders do to bring you into the fold, Soren? Um, well, I would say it'd be interesting to make a city builder was that's more about what I think actually defines whether cities work or not, which would be about local politics. You know, like how uh, I mean, I guess I guess the classic way to, to do it would be to see if you can. Um, either manage your, manage your party or work your way up to be a mayor and still keep the city functioning. Um, because I think I think what defines cities is often you know the compromises they have to make between you know different neighborhoods and economic differences and you know how things split up on party lines and you know racial differences within the city. All those all those different in- issues which you know force you know politi- politicians to make all these interesting little compromises and. Um, when, when everything seems to be ru- to be run like a you know dictatorship, um, you know I mean it's it's okay, but I think we've seen a few too many of those type of games. So I'd like to I like to see a game where you know if you if you just sort of you know choose to follow your own path without kind of like um, you know making considerations for what the different you know enough different groups within the city city care about, you know you might lose your position, lose your power. I, I think I actually would go the opposite direction. I care less about the internals and often find I want city builders to become more about the um, the outside world. I want them to be a little bit more like, am I 
you know, is my city of Des Moines more powerful than the city of Milwaukee? And and plenty of city builders have played with that, right? I mean, even even the SimCity franchise has played with that sort of connections uh, component of it. But but I kind of want to be able to nuke people too, and so <laughs> that 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 combination of bridging the gap between the city builder and the real sort of civilization 4x type game, um, I I don't feel like it's been done perfectly. I think there's plenty of room to explore that. Yeah, I'm sorry, kind of stole mine. Um... Because yeah, I think there is a lot of room for you know, the uh, uh, ward politics, keeping neighborhoods happy. Uh, Monte Cristo city life did something approaching this with having you know different population groups who have different needs and they don't all get along with each other. Um, and kind of a cartoon idea of what city neighborhoods and different groups were like. Um, I think I'd like to see more of that. I'd like to see uh, citizens become uh, more than just taxpayers. And that's really what, because it's this whole conservative idea that's in so many city builders, that what makes a city a city are, are taxpayers, not citizens. Um, and you can just placate them with what they, with bread and circuses, and they're okay. They don't have interests, they don't have desires, they don't have needs, they just have a happiness meter. Um, so something that has some of that idea of what a neighborhood is, and what neighborhoods want, and what people want. Um, and I think Tropical is a little bit of this with the factions. City Life did a little bit of this. I'd love to see a modern... I mean, I'm here in Toronto, and we have a very controversial mayor here in Toronto because he was elected by the suburbs, but the entire downtown core voted against him. So you have this entire struggle between what does it mean to be... What does Toronto mean now? And I think that fighting for a city's identity because of neighborhoods and proximity and that sort of thing is that could actually be a very interesting game. It could be a great role-playing game, and I think it can be a good, you know, you want to have a, maybe the final goal is to have a hockey arena named after yourself or something. And that's the big prize at the end. Spoken like a Canadian. Wow, very Canadian. <laughs> You're very, I'd say, I've, I've, I've it didn't born, take long. Wow. Well, it comes born, out at last. The, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, speaking speaking of this idea of local politics, have you guys played the the uh, redistricting game? No, oh my God, yes. is there a redistricting game? Yes. Oh, it's excellent. Yes. It's, it's excellent. really, it's really, it's, I mean, it's only really the sketch of a game because it's not, you know, it's just a sort of an academic project, but it's very interesting and it's really quite successful at what it tries to do. It's one of the best educational games um, yeah, ever that's out there. I mean, it's a great serious game that actually teaches you. You learn about redistricting laws. And you learn right. about all the court decisions you have to follow. Otherwise, your gerrymandering is illegal. It's a yeah. really brilliant <laughs> little game. Yeah. Wow. I mean, ger- gerrymandering really is a game, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, can you draw the lines better than your opponent to you know, surround the right amount of people? It's, 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 really... all, it's all about min-maxing. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out, and it's it's sort of a, an example of like where I think a city builder could go. That's going to focus on you know, you know, local issues. And it's not stuff boring. I mean, it's, it's, it's all these boring political things and serious. You can make these things very interesting. You can make them fun. You can have dwarfs, um, whatever you need to have. Because I th- actually think this is the stuff that makes cities work. I mean, we want to talk about cities being intimate, and one of the great things about Tropico is all these citizens have their hierarchy of needs and their factions and their beliefs and their families. You know, do something with that. You know, make, it, make it stronger. Build those connections a little tighter. Um, have political rivalries build up through the years. I think that's the kind of thing uh, that but actually make a very fun and engaging city builder. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm totally on board with you guys for... Uh, I, I think one thing that misses here, and it's a lot of, what a lot of games miss, is like the machinery of politics, particularly internal politics, the process of compromise where your will has to be filtered through different interest groups. Uh, that's something that would be really fascinating. The other thing I would really like from City Builder uh, in that vein is sometimes in cities, you know, if you look at the political life of a city, a lot of times it's just unpredictable stuff that com- can completely reshape, you know, the, the, the fate of a politician in a city. A lot of times it's, you know, the snowstorm, right? You know, the plows don't do their job right. And that can, that can you know, that can bring down a mayorship. Now who's um, Canadian? <laughs> <laughs> no, Canadians know how to handle snow. In America, they, they drag you through the streets and hang you from a, hang you from a lamppost if you don't get the plows out. Um, but, but stuff like that, or, or more, 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 you know, concretely, um, a lot of times in, in a city builder, and this happens in Tropico, oh, that's a high-crime neighborhood, drop a new police station, crime goes down, there are no repercussions. That's not how it works, though, right? I mean, how many times is, what well, we need to step up policing and really crack down in this neighborhood and, you know, cut crime. A lot of times that has unforeseen consequences and starts drawing really ugly divisions within communities and within cities that make it much harder to make the city work. And that's the thing, you know, Troy brought up repeatedly, you know, it's about making, you know, how does a city work? You know, uh, you know, what makes it good? What makes it function? And a lot of times, a lot of the things you do that you think will make it work better, uh, you know, just from, just from the way there are different interest groups competing and, uh, you know, they have, they have their own agenda. A lot of times there are unforeseen consequences for doing what seem like pretty simple equations, right? More crime, we'll get more police and that'll fix it. And it's much more complicated and more interesting than that. And that's where yeah. I think sort of the, the comparison to Dwarf Fortress can come in. You know, is you, you do one thing, you tweak something, and you think, it's gonna have, you think it's going to have effect X. And maybe it does, but maybe it has, you know, YZ and Apocalypse. So that about does it for our show. Uh, thanks for the excellent conversation, guys. Hey, thank you. Woohoo. Thanks. All right, and we will catch you next week with our long overdue discussion of Alpha Centauri. But for now, say goodnight, everybody. Night, all. Night. Night.